0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.
1: Welcome to the Swell Suite, everybody. Happy Wine Wednesday. Today on the podcast, we have Monique Bell. Monique is a professor of marketing at Fresno State, and she researches the intersections of business and culture. Her recent work has explored survey data of Black wine entrepreneurs in an industry lacking diversity. The name of the study is Terroir Noir, 2020 Study of Black Wine Entrepreneurs. She gives us all the details behind this study and why it's so important. Cheers. Welcome to the Swell Suite, everybody. Happy Wine Wednesday. Dennis and Leslie, hey, how y'all doing? Yes. Good. Happy wine Wednesday to you too, ladies. Thank you. Are you guys going to the Portugal tasting on Wednesday? Yes. I am. I will be there in the AM. Oh, okay. I'm jetting out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be there for a few hours. Just do the walk around tasting. Then I'm gonna come home.
0: Yeah, just yeah. and also it yes yeah, it it depends. If my, you know, supervisor don't put something on my calendar Wednesday morning, like he did for the wines of South Africa, oh tasting. yeah, tasting, I was so hot, oh yeah, was so hot because I wanted to go so bad. But my plan is to be there
1: in the morning. Leslie, you went to the South Africa tasting. How was that the event? I did. I liked it.
2: You know, um, I was expecting very traditional Chenin Blanc. Which they did, they had that. Um, but they started out with Cap C- Classique, mm-hmm. which was excellent um, because you don't have a lot of opportunity unless you're looking for those to try different ones. And um, they had a couple of roses that were made with the Pinotage. And I know yum. Pinotage.
0: Yum, was- yum, yes. yum.
2: Yeah, some people are like, I I realize Pinotage is a very divisive grape. I don't understand why. Yeah. Yep.
0: Some people either you, it's one of those grapes you either love it or you mm-hmm. don't. Yeah. I haven't right. I haven't met too many people said, so, well, you know, I'll I'll drink it if I have to. They either want to or they don't. And I love it. It's just yeah. big, bold, stinky yeah. on the nose, but beautiful <laughs> on the palate. Ha. Huh. Yes.
2: Yes. Okay. I was having it was a <laughs> and then they had they had a round of they didn't have a round of pinotage they had a round of um cab sauv, which when you think of South Africa you don't always think of cab sauv. So so wait, was- oh, how how was
1: the event? Was this like a seated like masterclass or was it a walk around tasting? It was a seated
2: masterclass. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. okay. It was a seated masterclass, and it. Um, They had people from New York there Mm -hmm. and one other location. I can't remember. I apologize. So it was a seated masterclass in their upstairs area. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in previous years, then they had the open tasting Mm -hmm. on their bottom floor. They did not have that. It was just upstairs.
1: Interesting. Huh? Hmm. Yeah. I always love that South African event the wine I oh my goodness wine. yeah yeah I, I mean I never get enough of South African wine because it's so little of it in retail stores
2: right and quality yeah. that's the thing it's yeah. hard to find really quality wines from that area that are in the retail store yeah that you're not paying a lot for yeah Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. because the first
0: part of that tasting was supposed to be sparkling right yeah that was the Cap Classique Cap Classique okay Mm-hmm. yum I was so, when I saw that and I saw the pictures I was like go?" part of gold.
2: <laughs> yeah yeah and you know it's interesting because it's very um their sparklings are very much influenced by the French mm-hmm. so they use um mostly uh Chardonnay and Pinot Noir
0: yeah that makes yeah. sense because mm-hmm. Graham Beckham eggs are really nice they um, do. Sparkling wines and at great price points as well. So it's a, always a go-to if you don't see anything else, like, oh, okay, That's, that'll work. I'm gonna take some good in yeah. I would love to have taste that Pinotage Rose. What was the flavor profile like? Was it, was it did they leave the skins on long? Was it a dark, ro- not a dark rose, but a heavier pink color? Or was it a light, a pale I would, pale? I would
2: say like medium. Medium, okay. Yeah, it wasn't, you know, some um, sparkling rosés, like you can barely tell that. So it's a rosé. <laughs> no, it was, it, it had, and I think also with, you know, the pinotage grape, the skins are so thick. There right. That yeah. you don't have to have a whole lot of contact for a long period of time to get significant color. Get the color. Hmm. Right. Yeah.
0: Nice. So medium co- Oh. Mm. Can we, do, were you able to discern whether the, That particular one can be found in retail stores um, easily or no?
2: I asked who the distributors were. And so I'm waiting for some feedback on to get that information. I was going to follow up, but I'll let you know, because some of the people who were there tasting were retail Mm. people. Oh, okay. So um, they definitely had people who were buyers as well as um, bloggers. Mm.
0: and,
2: and uh, media there oh nice yeah mm-hmm. so you I...
1: carrying... oh. Oh, I'm sorry like, oh no I mean, go ahead go ahead Glenn
0: I was getting ready to say do you think you're going to carry some in your
2: um wine club Ooh, good question yes, yes I oh, am nice uh, that will be nice. a preview for um our Christmas
0: nice 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 yes. and can your best friends from the first? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yes most definitely <laughs> most that was definitely. a as plug okay sorry <laughs> go ahead <Cerise.
1: laughs> I was just gonna tell you about the um I attended a virtual kava event this past Saturday Julia everybody know Julia Coney she uh-huh. was the lead and um she was working with um D.O. Kava And so we ordered two bottles of wine from them. They shipped it to us. And then Mm -hmm. she led like a masterclass. I mean, y'all know Julia. So it was very educational, but casual, you know, casual. But um, I learned a whole lot. I thought I knew Cava. I did, but I learned a whole lot. Like for one thing, I didn't know there were nine Cava grapes. Mm. I only knew of three. Um, Let's see. The next time you buy a Cava, look at the top of the cap. Because the color determines how long it's been aged.
2: Really? Yeah. Interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'll, um, I'll get the slides and I'll, I'll like write up like a list and stuff. But I was really shocked about how much I did not know about kava. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah that's great. That's it was interesting. Great. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we tasted a really good kava. Retail price was $14 and I could not believe it. And I was like, there has you guys have to work hard to get Kava in these retail shops because it's always the same brands that we see. Right. And I feel right. like it might be like five of the same ones that we see over and over again. But um yeah, the one we had was absolutely stunning. I'll put it in the, I'll send it to y'all and put it in the description box. It was really good.
2: Oh, excellent. it's really um less expensive. Yeah. Because I have been on the hunt for a good kava to carry. Mm-hmm. And um, I just have not really been impressed what the distributors are yeah. carrying. So I'd like to know the name of that one that you. Sure. Got.
1: And also, you know, where I go to get kava because they have the biggest sparkling wine selection that's not champagne is the um, Crescent Wine Shop in Bowie.
2: Really? Oh, which-
1: yeah. Yeah, that's where I go. Cause everywhere else has the same bottles. hmm so. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah, especially if you come out here to Montgomery County.
1: Oh.
0: You would have to go. I like I have to go to Total Wine to get some, to prayerfully get an obscure sparkling every now yeah. and then.
1: Mm-hmm. Come. So we have a special guest with us, Ms. Monique Bell. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. I'm so glad to be with you all. I'm
3: getting my own education here. So (laughs) thank you for that. Love that.
1: (laughs) Sure. uh, Welcome to the swell suite. Um, Introduce yourself for those who do not know you. Sure. So again, my name
3: is Monique Bell, and I am currently an Associate Professor of Marketing at Fresno State out here in California. And I've been here about eight years in this role, and I had the fantastic opportunity uh, last fall, fall 2020, to um, embark on what has become like a passion project, passion journey of studying Black wine entrepreneurs. Um, And so last fall, I um, began interviewing and surveying uh, Black wine entrepreneurs, um, about half of which were actually like wine producers and wine brands, um, and then other folks in other roles, whether it was media, um, uh, consulting, importing, exporting, distribution, et cetera, um, and just got to know all about the challenges as well as the Um, the benefits, the advantages of owning your own business within the wine space as a Black person. Um, And so that's what I've been really focused on with my research in the past past year since that time is just um, putting together that story and trying to share it far and wide and continue collecting data around that
1: story. So I have a question. So let's back up a bit. Tell us like how this idea even came about and why you decided to go to Black Entrepreneurs in Wine versus Black Entrepreneurs as a whole.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, So it was a a pretty big leap for me. I'm pretty much used to studying um, consumer behavior um, and really, you know, yeah, just studying consumer behavior. So what inspired this whole path was really attending the Oakland Black Vines Festival uh, back in February 2017. Um, And as you probably know, that's hosted by Fern Stroud. It's going on, I think it just celebrated its 10th anniversary. And it is a showcase of Black wine makers and a coming together of Black wine consumers. And so I had never seen anything like that before in my life. (laughs) I was, you know, prior to that, I did not really make the connection between Uh, black ownership within the wine industry and so seeing that and hearing the folks stories about owning vineyards and and all of that I was just super impressed super intrigued and I said I have to I have to learn more Um, so that's where it came from for me it was really out of curiosity about how they were able to make uh, that leap into the wine industry uh, what their experiences were Uh, that really sparked my interest and so Um, Once I had an opportunity to apply for a sabbatical semester, uh, which just means you can focus for a semester um, on research or professional development, really anything but teaching um, you can devote your time to, I said, well, I want to apply um, with that as my focus area. And to be honest, I wasn't really sure if it was going to be accepted. um, One, because it hadn't been done before. There was like literally nothing in the literature and very little in the popular media about black white entrepreneurs. And so there was that obstacle to get over, but also you know, in academia and you know in the real world as well, uh, studies about black people, black uh, entrepreneurs aren't really valued. Um, it's kind of like, I wish I would have studied this several years ago, but Uh, The academia really pushes you to um, focus on what's most generalizable, so not really focusing on what they would call niche areas like uh, minority entrepreneurship and such. Um, So I wasn't really convinced that it was going to be accepted, but thankfully it was, and it's been a
1: wild ride uh, since that, that I'm grateful for. I feel like you just created your own major. (laughs) I like, I I can see people like studying this and having like a full degree in this, in this one subject.
3: Wow. Wow. That is, yeah, that gives me chills. I think it's very possible. Um, and I would love if I could contribute in any way to that happening. I would love to do that. Um, kind of something else that's near and dear to my heart is making sure that younger people aren't in their thirties like I was. When they before they realize that this is a whole industry that you can jump into and make your mark in, Um, I think there's only one HBCU, which is FAMU, that offers something in this realm. It might be a certificate in analogy or viticulture. um, But I want young people to know that this is an option for them. Um, You know, whatever their interest is, chemistry, marketing, um, law, all of that. Can be applied um, to this industry, and that they, you know, there there are paths to being entrepreneurs.
2: Monique, I have to admit that I had received a copy from someone else um, earlier. Mm-hmm. So then, when um, Sarita said that you were going to be on the show, I was like, I was so excited because I can uh, ask you about it. One of my biggest concerns, mm-hmm. well, not concerns, is observations is. There's so much content that they, it needs to be a sequel. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There needs, needs, and like you said, there's so many different avenues Mm -hmm. that I think you just scratch the surface.
3: You're absolutely right. And that's kind of, um, I would say, some of the feedback that I've gotten that people were expecting... People that I kind of previewed that this was coming, they were like, well, I wanted, I wanted to get the, the full experience. I want to know what did they say? What were they thinking? And I'm like, okay, that is part two. <laughs> you know, I had to at least set a, a baseline for us to say, okay, what is the state of Black wine today? You know, what are just the bare minimum metrics that we can use in the future to go back to and see, are we doing better? Are we doing worse? How have we progressed? And so that's what I wanted to just share first was that kind of um, not quite raw, but really kind of unfiltered data from the survey, just the metrics so that we can say, okay, here's something we can all agree upon. This doesn't need much interpretation. It is what it is. Secondary to that, and what I'm working on now is um, really going through the transcriptions of the interviews that I did, because I interviewed more than 40 um, black wine wine entrepreneurs um, over Zoom. And so those were transcribed, thank God, automatically. (laughs) I didn't have to try to transcode it myself or transcribe it myself, Uh, but we still have the manual work of saying, okay, so what are the themes? What's emerging um, from these interviews that we can really capture and share and provide that richer story about what the black wine entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneur experience is really all about. So yes, hopefully part two, part three, part four, I want to um, talk with uh, black wine professionals because initially the study was going to cover both entrepreneurs as well as professionals, but that just kind of got a little bit too muddy, a little too cloudy, because there's different experiences. And so I do wanna focus on professionals, and then ultimately on uh, consumers and perhaps make this kind of an annual kind of, you know, event that we can reflect upon and say, what's changed?
2: What good news can we celebrate? what What's coming next? When you say entrepreneurs, just for our audience, can you define who's in that bucket, how you're defining it?
3: Yes. Um, so um, as I said, initially, I was including both entrepreneurs and professionals, entrepreneurs, I would consider those folks who own a wine centric business. Um, So again, that was uh, for the most part about half of the people who responded, uh, those were folks who own a winery, own a wine brand, if it's a custom crush, um, yeah, who are actually producing wine in some form. Um, But it also included media folks, um, some, maybe one or two distributors, um, importers and exporters, retail shops. Um, but in all those instances, for the final study, they needed to have ownership of that particular enterprise. So they weren't working for someone else. They owned that venture. And then professionals, I consider um, folks who are, of course, skilled, educated, um, experts, uh, but they're performing their services for someone else's business. So
1: Thank
2: that could Mm-hmm. Did you what was the two things? What was like the most shocking revelation that you had from that? And then secondly, what was the other thing you were like, yeah, I figured. I figured this was the case. <laughs> um, let's see., um, I was
3: surprised, but not really, but kind of about uh, that people were so gracious to take the time to do the survey and or participate in the interview. Because if you think about last year at this time, we were in the middle of pandemic. If you lived in California, you had the fires going on. I, as a novice to wine, did not realize that in North America, the fall season is the harvest season. So they don't have time to talk to me. Um, So you add that in, um, and then, you know, the political landscape, there was just a lot going on last fall. And so I was surprised that people were so gracious and, you know, forthcoming, and they were really thanking me for interviewing them or taking the time to hear their story. But I'm like, no, you are inspiring me. You're giving me that extra boost to keep going, you know, knowing that this story needs to be told and, you know, shared. So that was one surprising thing. Um, I was also surprised that there was actually, this was kind of a silver lining of the uh, pandemic environment, that there were international folks who participated. Um, Because I had only, you know, when I initially planned all of this, I was thinking probably just California, um, but definitely just US, but ultimately I wound up having participants from Germany, Um, South Africa, New Zealand. Um, So that was, you know, a great, uh, it was great to have that international perspective. I think on the data side, I was surprised that more of the businesses didn't have a uh, minority or women-owned business designation, uh, meaning like they got certified to say that they're a a Black-owned or women-owned business. Uh, But I found out and learned later that that could be kind of a, um, cumbersome
1: tasks well, mm-hmm. as a black business would you need that though like I would never think if I owned a wine shop or a winery I would never think to get that
2: because I'm the minority well because I mean most people who most organizations that get that designation have an intention of selling to some government agents got you mm-hmm. um, okay um, and so if you are a winery I'm not saying that the government doesn't purchase right. wine, but there's not as large of a market if you were a, con, a construction company or you were an electrician or what have you. And it is, it is very, very cumbersome to get that. Yeah, so that was
3: a, both of those were lesson, lessons learned for me. Um, and thank you for even adding that to help me further understand why that might be the case. Um, but something that I was surprised, but not surprised about, was the level of this sense of needing to give back among these entrepreneurs. And you know, the literature, the the little bit of literature that does exist about uh, Black and minority entrepreneurs does clearly state that that's a, that's a that's a trend, and that is something that's really endemic to minority cultures. Is this? A sense of needing to give back, lift others up. Um, So I did find that in my study that there was definitely a sense of, well, I want to help the next winemaker or wine business. I want to give to my community through, you know, sponsorship and donations. Um, So that definitely um, bore out and aligned with the existing studies on um, Black entrepreneurs in general. So I was happy to see that that was also the case. Um, in
1: wine
3: too. Oh, I was getting ready
0: to ask when she mentioned donations and things like that of the winemakers and wine companies um, giving back. Did any of those entities talk about giving um, scholarships to um, people of color who are interested in taking like UC Davis analogy Um, classes and or wine certification classes, things of that nature?
3: Hmm, That's a great question. Um, I didn't ask that explicitly in the survey. I think I did generally ask, was scholarships in one of the ways that they give back? So I can definitely follow up on that figure. Uh, But even in the interviews, I don't recall hearing them specifically talk about uh, those types of scholarships. I think they try to do it much more at the local level um, so that if there's someone in directly within their community that they can support, they might do it that way. But, you know, that's definitely another great option, possibly collectively even forming scholarships that would support wine education, wine business education. Yeah. Um, exactly. Cause
0: mm-hmm. those wine management courses at UC Davis and the, um, I forgot the other organization out there are expensive. And that would be an added bonus to our community getting more involved.
2: Yeah. <clears throat> Thank you. They do have the um, AAAB mm-hmm. has the scholarship fund for Black winemakers. Uh, and the Roots Fund just be- released their
1: scholarship recipients mm-hmm. for
2: this year. It's Yeah, it's a
1: lot of people we know in there. It's awesome.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah, now is probably, probably you guys can tell me because I'm again new to this, but probably the, the most prevalent time where there's scholarships being awarded and being um, created. So that's what I've been telling people now who I come in contact with. Like if you have any interest in wine at all, you wanna just do level one like I did and I got the Josh Hart um, scholarship with 99 other folks. Um, now is the time to do it. What could be better is having that information in a central place um, because had I not been on sabbatical I would not have the time to go searching (laughs) you know all over the place to find that information so if that info could be in one centralized place that would be awesome but yeah I would definitely highlight the association of African-American vintners as a good source for for anyone to start on that journey.
1: Yeah, I know a few people who have also uh, received really big internships too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So the opportunities are out there. I love that.
3: I um, got to participate, not participate, really more document and support the Lodi Appalachian Inclusive Collective, which is in Lodi, California, which is about a, you know, two hour drive north of Fresno or an hour south of Sacramento. And it's actually the the largest grape growing region in the United States, but it's kind of, you know, Napa's kind of stepsister, ugly stepsister, mm-hmm. in a way. Um, people don't know about it, but it has some of the world's oldest vines there. And what I was getting at with the Root Roots Fund, they hosted Rooted in Lodi there with the Lace Collective, and folks got immersive experiences. They got to do everything from end to end. Uh, look at the vines, understand um, you know how to manage the vines, pick the grapes, actually create their own blends and just really get that one-on-one personal connection with the winemakers in that region. And so I think you know it's time intensive it's labor intensive. There were only four people I think who participated at that um, in that immersion experience um, so it's hard to scale something like that but I think, On the other hand, the outcomes of of doing something like that are just so valuable. So hopefully um, the Roots Fund and other organizations can continue to provide experiences like that.
1: And also, I, um, I found this truly informative, but also I think that people outside of us need to read it. So I think a lot of these other winemakers who aren't Black need to see how much work that we're putting into their industry. And then um, I can't wait till you get into the consumer part of it. Cause I mean, I'm sure their jaws are going to drop about how much buying power that we, we have.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, you know, when it comes to, well, what can we do? It was really important for me to end the report as best I could. And with the knowledge and data that I had about what can we do next. And from the consumer standpoint, we really can, make a concerted effort to buy black wines. you know we have that pool. If we go into a restaurant, if enough of us go into a restaurant and want a particular wine, eventually they're going to add that to their inventory. Um, and now with being able to buy wine online, you know it's it's no longer that where you're located is a barrier to getting black on wine. Um, so we can do our part. But definitely the industry needs to do its part and not let the momentum that we saw occur um, in May and June, July of 2020 kind of get lost to mm-hmm. the wayside. To so just really keep up that same energy, that same attention. Um, and we have seen some organizations that have done that. I know, um, I think it's Napa Valley Vintners um, in partnership with AAAV has established a really, uh, large scholarship fund. Um, but yeah, it's just a matter of keeping that going, keeping that reminder. And hopefully, um, through the reports that I do and through the work that you all are doing, that voice will continue to be heard.
1: I know you're already a teacher and you already have a job, but like, would you teach, (laughs) would you like hold like a masterclass based on your report and just, you know, I mean, we'll pay for it. We'll just go, you know,
3: Oh, I would absolutely love to do that, Um, particularly as I get more deep into um, that qualitative, that interview um, data. I would love to do that. Mm. Um, Yeah, I would absolutely love to do that. However, I can initially when I started thinking about this, I just wanted to like catalog the black wine entrepreneurs just like in a book or a calendar or something, because that's where my mind um, by trade or, you know, before going into the university, marketing, right? So marketing and communications and design is um, where my heart is. So that's where my mind initially was like, oh, a beautiful, you know, coffee table book highlighting these winemakers and the different wines and all of that. So I would still love to do that. So Sarita, I need some help from you. I know you just, you know, released, published your book. So I'm <laughs> Support,
2: <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> so well, yeah, since mm-hmm. you since you have a background in marketing, mm-hmm. um, and one of the biggest obstacles that people were citing was um, just people knowing. I mean, even mm-hmm. though there has been this great surge in um, entrepreneurship and black wine there's still, I bet if I walk down the street, people couldn't name five Black brands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So w- in your experience, what what is that barrier? Yeah.
3: Well, it's uh, there's a few things I would say. Number one, entrepreneurs, their time is already limited as it is. They have to just focus on really just day-to-day survival. And then you add on a pandemic, you know, and it's really just about day-to-day survival. So I think there's a constraint of time and then of actual knowledge, you know, of of understanding marketing, even though we're all consumed with it every day and exposed to it, just really applying it can be challenging if that's not your forte or you don't have the time to do it. So I think that's part of it. Yeah, so I think that's, you know, really probably the biggest is just having that knowledge and having the time to do it. Um, And when I think one of you mentioned, I'm already, I have a full time job, it seems like two full time jobs, actually. (laughs) Um, But I would love to get more into like marketing, consulting for these businesses, ultimately, and, you know, doing workshops, things that are like really low cost. You know, low hanging fruit things that they could do to increase their presence and um, increase their service quality as well. So I would love to do that. Um, but one oh, way Oh, you're,
1: you're going to get an email from me. So. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, but one way we've started working on that is through the Sit Consciously um, directory, um, which I um, worked with the founder of Uncorked and Cultured, who's Angela. McRae, She and I together partnered um, since I had been just kind of piecing all of these different black wine entrepreneurs together and creating my own huge Excel spreadsheet. We said, well, let's make this available um, to everyone. So both the consumers know where they can find uh, black owned, you know, wineries or wine brands, whether it's in their local neighborhood or just simply online. And then so that the industry folks can find each other because that was another challenge of knowing, you know, I want to start my wine retail shop. How do I get in touch with black wine distributors? Um, Or how do I learn more about black wine producers? And so that's really the crux of the Subconsciously Directory is just making that information available um, as we progress, hopefully amplifying those entrepreneurs a bit more, providing a bit of that marketing for them Um, and just making it available in one central place. um, So that no matter where you are, if you're traveling, you can just go to the directory and say, well, what black owned winery or wine brand is near me or wine retailer is near me. So that's really what we hope to do with the Subconsciously directory.
1: That's awesome. That's great. (laughs) Yeah, you guys are doing great work. That's
2: fantastic. Thank you so much. I would really be curious not to give you any more work, Monique, but I am. To like to (laughs) see annually over the, you know, the next five years, um, which brands have been sustainable Mm. um, and which brands have like experienced growth and have increased their distribution because I think that... um, Being in the black wine industry is in vogue now, Mm -hmm. just like being in the spirits industry. Mm -hmm. And this, and this one woman came up to me and she was like, oh, I would love to make wine. And I I was like, well, do you know anything about wine? Mm -hmm. No. Um, So it's, it's, I mean. I'm sorry. Was she rich too? Okay. Just didn't, you know. So, you know, a lot of people Mm. want to be in the industry and God bless them, right? Because, you know, the more the merrier. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't think that people realize the expense Mm -hmm. and the time Mm -hmm. and just like with any business, um, there's a lot of growing pains there. And so we've seen this big emergence of new, Business owners and to see where it pans out five years from now, 10 years from now. I absolutely love that um, idea. I think that's
3: very important to give a reality check um, for folks to understand like, you know, this is what the investment is financially, emotionally, uh, family time that you'll be missing out on, mental health, a bunch of different investments that you'll be making. And um, I really should have done, a, I think, a better job of positioning the report as, you know, so you want to own a winery or you want to be in the wine business, <laughs> you know, here's a reality check, not to dissuade anyone, but just like anything, the more knowledge you have to prepare you, you know, the better that you can deal with those hiccups and challenges when they occur. So I'm th- I thank you for, for
1: bringing that up. And I think that's a fantastic idea. All righty, so we're going to move into our second part of our show, and we're just going to ask you some random questions. I think these are pretty much, okay, well, one, Leslie, you can't answer because you didn't go to HBCU, but. Um. <laughs> yes, I did. where you go? I went to Howard. No, you didn't. I, you ain't never told us you went to Howard. You? I thought yeah. you went to Towson. I did, and I went to Howard for well, grad school. I No, I did not realize that. my apologies my apologies
2: that's okay you can humble yourself later
1: (laughs) (laughs) okay so the first question is our money question we are up to $35,000 if you received $35,000 what would you do with it should
3: I go first
1: sure go for it
3: okay you know what I am I'm a little bit shook after this past year I'm such a saver now (laughs) my first instinct is just sock it away keep it for you know rainy day whatever happens next but if I was gonna splurge I probably invested actually in opening um like an urban winery I would kind of use that as my starting capital
2: to get that going you know what I would build a little workshop building with um like a little, a little hideaway, a little cabin in the woods. That would be my little getaway, my shack on the water.
0: Wow.
2: Okay. It depends on which
0: water bed you went next to. It would be a shack for $35,000. Exactly. It's just a
2: little getaway. It's just like
1: a bedroom,
2: so it- a little kitchen. Kitchen can cost you $35,000,
0: Leslie.
1: I, well, I was about to say, you about to build this by yourself. Right. That's how you can you afford know, it. It's <laughs> <laughs> a DYI project or? Hey, so,
0: so to answer your question, Serena, I'm going to loan Leslie my $35,000 to make some interest off of it shit. She's going to need something for the avenue in the damn woods. Ain't nobody messing with her. <laughs> she ain't got to no damn bathroom. It's gonna be in, in our house for 35000 Okay, so now she got 70. We going. Go ahead now.
1: I would buy, um, what do you call them? Um, Like mobile home? Um, oh, okay. I would buy a mobile home. So when I don't feel like getting on a plane and I don't feel like driving, because also this mobile home is gonna come with a driver because... We're not gonna do that. Just uh, I just wanna ride, you know. Okay. So, so almost Rita, like, like my own bus. Do you know how much they
0: cost? <laughs> she bar, you <laughs>
2: you're
1: like plus
2: my you got I a better chance plus, of living plus, in my shack. Plus Mo needs <laughs> money to get her damn <laughs> No, I actually don't. I'm a be a loan shark. I'm about to be the richest one. It doesn't been, have girl. to be real fancy. It just needs like, a bathroom It ain't the 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 baseline ones are starting at fifty.
0: You're lying. Right.
1: Get
2: yes, out of no. here.
1: They
0: can mm. run into the millions. Some of those.
2: Wow, like that the one, baseline. What's the yes. What's
0: that c- Oh my gosh, those are expensive. Huh. Yeah. The
2: Airstream, Airstream ones.
0: It- air oh, oh the, yeah you can just cancel like, Christmas darling <laughs> and John Madden's bus that he used to ride around in because he didn't like flying to get to these games that thing was like a a, a rolling motel mm. millions of dollars it was kitted out it was just unbelievable
1: yeah okay so um unless you look into
2: the Prius we <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs>
0: Hook it to the Prius and find. Girl, you know a Prius
1: can't pull property. a thing.
0: And a Prius can't, thing. can't
1: pull nothing. <laughs> okay. Oh God. So y'all told me. Okay. Next Glenn question. she, I wish she,
0: said she gonna I'm give gonna you. Oh, she <laughs> oh, she oh, okay. I'm going <laughs> y'all some of my money. Because this go you know, so can take her whatever she get and put it on your waterfront property, so y'all have some ways to go to the
1: bathroom. And to your
0: they can they can be
3: in my parking lot. I'll charge. You go. <laughs>
1: she, she says she to charge just rent. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's
0: so okay. messed up. I don't know what I'm doing. Oh God. Oh no. man. <laughs> that's
1: oh, hilarious that <laughs> okay next question what inspired you to go to hbcu
0: oh <sighs> my mother i ain't had no choice uh, it yeah. was because i thought i was going um in my mind i taking all these trips down to hampton because Ms. Pipkin from our church, that was her uh, her alma mater. and She was like, I'm going to take these kids from the inner city down here to see this great university uh, institute at the time. Because it was not a university then. It was an institute. And then I came home. Yeah, mom, I'm going to have this. She said, no, you're not. Because you're not crazy. You're not going to institute. I want you to see this university in D.C. If <laughs> this is a true story, I have not been trying to be funny. I was like, oh my, okay, let me go. <laughs> On the bus, coming around the reservoir, um, past um, Children's Hospital. And I was like, oh, this is the bomb. It's right in the middle of the city. I don't have to go to the country. I'm so, I'm going to Howard. Mm. So. And then I started after that initial exposure, I started doing research. I was like, oh, it's the Mecca course I'm going to Howard there's no other school so yeah best decision I ever made That was a good story Dude, my yeah. mother crazy <laughs> you ain't going to no institute you ain't crazy I was like all righty <laughs> then <laughs> what about you Monique um I please say- don't say you went to Hampton after all that
1: no ma'am no. she went to she went to the great Morgan State thank you very much okay <laughs> Yes. Yeah, so, yes. Yeah. I saw that. I rolled, Leslie. I don't <laughs> oh. appreciate it. Uh-oh. The
0: Bears. There the
3: they ba- go. I know
2: the, I ba- say bear. the Bears.
3: The <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, my parents, they went, both my parents and my older sister all went to an HBCU, the exact same one, as a matter of fact, North Carolina Central. And I was the outlier who had to just go on a different path. And I just love Baltimore, DC area, and I got it was between Howard and Morgan, and Morgan gave me the full scholarship, so the decision was well,
1: there really it. there. You <laughs> go.
0: There that you go. sounds about how Howard does it.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Leslie, um, when I was an undergrad at Towson, my summers. I worked at Howard, my dad had a business and he was, uh, his business managed some of the dorms. So I worked for him during the summer. And then when I graduated from college, I was like, I wanted to get a master's in public administration. And um, Howard has a really good program in, Dr. Ron Walters was the chair of the department at the time. And I was working um, already in political science. Also, I felt like as an undergrad, even um, even though there was like a a tight knit black community at Towson, I just felt like I missed out. And especially working at Howard, I was like, I, um, I didn't have black professors. At Towson um and I wanted to get that experience to I wanted to have black professors who worked in the field who could tell me and guide me so um that was part of the reason why I went to Howard
1: mm. your answers are so eloquent and mine isn't it really isn't it's <laughs>
2: <laughs> was it was it a different world? Was well, first it a of all, it, 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 it,
1: first, yeah, first of all, it was a different world. And um, I grew up in DC, so we were at Howard for every and anything. So the football games and we took some prep college courses there. I was always at Howard, so I didn't feel like I was going anywhere if I went there, even though my family, like my family, a a lot of them went to Howard and they, they called when I graduated, they called, are you sure you don't want to continue the family legacy and go to Howard? I was like, my mom said that if I go to Howard, then I have to stay home and not pay like uh, the dorms and stuff. I was like, oh no, no, I've, I just need that space. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, Mm -hmm. Morgan was a nice, a nice balance. It wasn't too close and it wasn't very far. So and I love the energy when I stepped on the campus, so it was a no-brainer.
2: Recently, I I drove through Morgan's campus. It is so beautiful. I mean, yeah,
1: yeah. it's all much more the, beautiful now than it was when I was there. Oh my yeah, goodness, it's, yes. gorgeous now. it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. And just think gorgeous. what it looked like to eighty
0: four. I was like, I absolutely not.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> nope, nope, and <laughs> nope. Um.
1: All right. Next question. What was the first wine made by a black winemaker that you had, if you can remember? We don't count
0: Shempipple, do we? <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay, okay. I'm going to be serious. I'm still laughing off that other. Well, my first. I know what my was, first was. My first was my grandfather's cherry wine, but he don't officially count. Um <laughs> Right. But the very first one was Andre Max. Mm. And it was his, um, the Pinot Noir, which is still one of my favorites. Mm. Mine was brown.
0: Mm. The States. Nice. Um, red the, the Red Zen. That's what made me fall in love with Red Zen, Adele. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. And was- I just love the whole story too, so.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember because I was drinking it at that Black Vines Festival, so I don't remember what I tasted then, but just, you know, a single bottle on its own Brown Estate um, Sauvignon Blanc. And actually, um, Cassandra Shag from Sip Wine and Beer in Temecula or San Diego area sent it to
0: me. And so oh, that's how nice. Hmm. Nice. Um, can she be my friend and send me some <laughs> <laughs> It's so sweet. I bet she
3: would. You know, <laughs> she's
1: <so sweet. laughs> yeah. Um, my first was also Andre Mac, but it was the Love Drunk Rosé.
3: Mm.
1: Yeah, I was like, that's. So, this is a really. If black wine is going to taste like this, yeah, I'm excited. Oh, well, sorry,
0: sorry, that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's, it, yeah, you got to take the good with the
0: bad, I suppose. <laughs> and that's with any wine, it's white, true. white, white, white winemakers, black winemakers, Spanish winemakers, but that was, a, I just had to throw that pun in me. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yes. I'm on roll with that. <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't even been drinking. Maybe that's the problem.
1: You know, I need to get up and get a glass. Oh my gosh. Okay. So the next two questions are from Monique. Um, do you miss anything about the East Coast?
3: Oh, I miss everything about the East Coast except for snow, so yes, um, Fresno is not the California that you think of when you think about California, (laughs) so (laughs) there's that, (laughs) um, but it has been so good to me, you know, I can't complain, I really cannot complain the university, the area you know, it's given me a chance to really blossom and bloom. So I'm, I'm so thankful for that. But yes, I do miss um, Baltimore and I lived in Philadelphia right before I moved here. So I do miss a lot about these coasts. Most importantly, my family is all still there. Um, But then like food activities, you know, just being able, when I had my hair, like I have sister locks now, it's an ordeal. If someone stops doing the locks, then I have to find someone like 200 miles away to do it. Mm. Those types of concerns, you know, first world problems, I know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was at a, I was was at a group tasting a few weeks ago and there was a girl who was from here, but she was, uh, she lives in California and she was visiting Uh and, um, she was talking about how she can't get grilled food. She can't get burnt hot dogs at California. I was like, I don't understand that. It's always nice. Y'all should be grilling like every day. She was just like, but they don't. And also it's nothing but vegetables. She was like, somebody tried to fool me and like grill a carrot and put it on a bun. (laughs) Very health conscious for sure. Yeah, Yeah. Mm.
3: definitely.
1: So yeah. That's, you know, you got to take, it's, everything is a trade-off. All right. Last question is for you. How do you decompress after you've completed your study? Like, how did you decompress? And did that include wine?
0: Um, mm,
3: I don't know when I actually finished it. I guess maybe when I hit, you know, send on the report or posted it somewhere. <laughs> I guess that would be the, the finish for that study. And mm, you know, I didn't really do much because I was, you know, back working as, you know, as a professor. So I didn't really get any downtime, any lag time, but yeah, but just in general, I love swimming when I can. I do. I'm much more interested on the business side of wine than I am in actually consuming, consuming it regularly. I do enjoy it. Um, I love learning about it. I got my W set level one. I'm going to be going for level two. So I love learning about it but um I'm it's okay not- give
1: give give you time give you another year all that's gonna change
3: <laughs> exactly yeah yeah so more more wine consumption to come for sure awesome and if, you,
0: if you feel like you're being bombarded with samples that you're just not gonna drink you can send it right on back here to the east coast we will <laughs> take care of that for you
3: you know what's funny? Um, I don't know if there's a Hughes Society near you guys. I know there's a New York chapter, there's a Northern California chapter of Hughes, Hughes Society by Tahira Habibi, but I joined it you know, as soon as it became available. And through that, you are sent samples and have wine tastings. But just as the universe would have it, as soon as I joined and started receiving all these samples, I got a medical diagnosis that required me not to drink any alcohol. So it's like month and month and month of bottles. So I have a lot of, I have a lot of drinking to make up for. I can drink now. (laughs) Okay.
0: (laughs)
1: Yeah. I have to make up for lost time. Okay.
0: What a great pastime.
1: Yeah. And well, if you ever go to Atlanta and hang with Tahira or anybody in the black wine industry and it, child, get get your liver ready. Uh (laughs) Yeah. Detox before.
0: They are at, Good God almighty. I thought I could hang, but Jesus. And
3: if <laughs> Glennis is
1: saying this, my God, I say this all the time. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen Glennis drunk because wow. I'm way over the top before she even gets there. Monique. Thank every- you, Monique. Where, and where can everybody find your study?
3: Yeah. Um. So probably the best place is, well, easiest to remember is moniquebell.com. Slash wine, W-I-N-E. I've also started a new website and hopefully it'll become a blog eventually. uh, Winebell.com. And that's spelled W-Y-N-E-B-E-L-L-E.com. And Instagram is Winebell, The Winebell, spelled the same way. Um, Any of those locations, you should be able to find the link to get the study. Um, And I appreciate the support feedback, all of that, you know, just, let's just keep progressing and moving the discussion forward.
1: Yeah, thank you for joining us. It's been my pleasure. I look forward was, to learning more from you all. It was Actually, a pleasure talking you.
0: to you, and I know we'll learn more from you as well. Through Absolutely. all the data and your surveys and your studies, so. Thank
1: you. I appreciate yeah. you all. Thanks so much. Thank you. Have a good night. You're welcome. Have a good night. Thanks for joining us today, guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to like and subscribe and share and comment and all the things. And also follow all of us on social media. Enjoy the rest of your week. Cheers.